When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mackie and Judd today is Zolgad Collar. Jonathan Harrison uh, producing, doing a fantastic job as always. Uh, all right, Collar. Continue to elaborate as you were off the air about the comparison that we uh, touched on at the end of the last hour between these Vikings and the 1988 Vikings. Yeah, I was just looking through here. Well, for one, Tommy Kramer was the starting quarterback, and then Wade Wilson had to take over and did a really, really good job. That team in 1988, I mean, I've never heard anyone talk about this team being one of the greatest Vikings teams, but they were in points number four in points four and number two in points against that's even better than this year. And they're uh, they were seventh in yards for and number one in yards against. So you had a number one defense, just like this season, you had a top 10 offense. They were a top 10 passing offense. They had a kind of a grinded out running game. And at the end of the season, especially they did have one kind of bad loss toward the end of the year, but they had a stretch where their defense was astoundingly good just like the Vikings have been recently, they had games in 88 against Dallas, Indianapolis, Detroit, and New Orleans, in which they allowed 3, 3, 0, and 3. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the, where it's crazy with old football stats, how many interceptions there used to be. Yes, because quarterbacks used to throw them routinely. The 88 defense for the Vikings allowed 12 touchdowns and had 36 interceptions. Wow. <laughs> I mean, and, and what happened... Yeah. was they got to the divisional round and they faced an all-time great quarterback and Wade Wilson threw two picks and got sacked six times and they lost to the 49ers. And if, which, which is where you're drawing the comparison between what we fear could happen now, which is which is your defense still plays well, but uh, the but the case has to turn in the slipper. That's definitely the, the biggest fear that you would have because uh, you're, you were talking about a team that in San Francisco, even though they weren't, the most dominant team that year. They only went 10 and six. You So you came in with maybe some weaknesses and you said, well, Joe Montana's getting up there in age and maybe uh, they're not quite as good as, as they were. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's Joe Montana to playoff game and he throws three touchdowns and Roger Craig goes nuts on you and you lose. And that is the biggest fear for me about playing the New Orleans Saints. Cam Newton has nothing to work with on that team. And I don't believe that they would be good enough without any wide receivers and with the Vikings run defense, it's so good. I don't think that they would have much of a chance. And the game being here would be enormous for, for the as far as the defense uh giving Newton problems. And the same thing the crowd would give him problems. Yeah, and the same thing with Jared Goff. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really interested in seeing Sean McVay against Mike Zimmer, but Jared Goff is still a second year NFL quarterback. 
With Drew Brees, we've seen this a number of times where even a team doesn't have the greatest year overall. Mm -hmm. This is like Pittsburgh all the time with Roethlisberger, where sometimes you, it'll be a year where you say, well, Roethlisberger wasn't as good as his usual self. And then in the playoffs, he's Roethlisberger again. And that would be the one major concern is that it would turn out just like 88, where everything goes your way. You're the strongest team in the league, offense, defense, and then you face the Hall of Fame quarterback and then it's over. The difference back then, too, though, was you did you did have teams like San Francisco that were good at that time for such an extended period of time yep. that you said, OK, even if my team's having a nice year, eventually I'm going to have to play Team X and Team X always wins the damn game. That's not true now. Like the Saints, I like the Saints. I think the Saints are very good. The Saints have popped back up, and Drew Brees is certainly an exceptional quarterback. But you don't, you haven't looked at the Saints for the past five years and thought, oh, no, it's the Saints again. The Saints won a Super Bowl. The defense declined. Guys leave. Back then, you you had your, your franchises where guys basically didn't leave. They, they didn't walk away. They didn't have the opportunity to do so. And so, essentially, the attrition was, okay, you're, you're getting old, we're going to release you. But besides that, you had your teams like San Francisco. I'm trying to think through the list. You had your teams probably like Pittsburgh. Uh, th there were certainly long periods where Dallas was like that, where you said, if you get to that team, it's going to be really tough, and we're probably go going to have to go on the road. The difference now is the one team that scares you, I think, a little bit is the Saints. And after that... There's nobody in this playoff race, essentially, who you look at and say, uh-oh. And and I only look at the Saints as being the most troublesome team, but I still don't, still don't look at them as we did back then. And you looked at San Francisco and thought, oh, you're not going to beat them. It's going to be too tough. For this team, in, in terms of their advantage, if Philadelphia gets beat because Nick Foles is their quarterback, I mean, you're, you're talking about getting both games at home or all three games at home potentially to go to the Super Bowl. By the way, mm -hmm. Wade Wilson's career, this is what I do for fun, by the way, at home, too. Uh, you're a sick puppy, yeah, and I, and, but, but, you're, yeah. but you are telling the truth. Pe people asked... Uh, you watch bowl games. Last week, I think it was uh, Jonathan had in, in questions, uh, what are you guys going to do on New Year's Eve? I was like, I'll probably be writing football, and if you go to 1500ESPN.com, you, you will see right in the middle. That's what I was writing last night um, about this comparison. Wade Wilson, before that 88 season, mm -hmm. had a 68 quarterback rating, 30 touchdowns, 36 picks. I mean, it reminds you a lot of Case Keenum that no one would have said Wade Wilson is the quarterback who could take us uh, to the, to a great season and, and have a 91 quarterback rating. And then uh, he never really did it again after that. But that that was it, there's a comparison there that no one at that time probably would have said, oh, yeah, Wade Wilson's going to be the quarterback that gets us to be a serious Super Bowl contender and to have a top Five and, scoring offense. And in fairness, in that era, we looked at quarterbacks a bit differently. I mean, you still ha had your Montanas, who yeah. were just all world. But we are so anxious now to to adopt them and say, oh, that that's the guy. That's yeah. Back then you went from Kramer to Wilson and you're like, okay, I guess that's mm -hmm. fine. Uh, but there wasn't this thing now where where there's this anxiousness to say Keenum is definitely the guy, and there's no question about it, and don't question him. We are so, the football fan today has become so absorbed, and somewhat rightfully so, in the quarterback. Yeah. And the quarterback is the key. And we don't, I think the football fan of yesteryear, Collar, used to look at a lot more. Now the landscape A, B, and C is quarterback. And then maybe at D, we start to, uh, start to look at different aspects. Back then you said, okay, if it's Wilson, it's Wilson. But I don't remember anybody back 
in 88 being like, well, in 89 and 90, you got to sign this guy long term. It didn't work that way. And, well, I mean, the, the recent Super Bowl winners and really the all time Super Bowl winners influence that talk a lot. But when it comes from a, a year to year basis, when we're analyzing quarterbacks, we see all the time that it's system and it's supporting cast that make the huge difference on whether your quarterback is good or, or, or not good. And when it comes to the long term of this team, the one nice thing is that none of these pieces are just going to disappear. Right. That they can actually improve the offensive line more in the draft potentially. And these two wide receivers aren't going anywhere, assuming that Stephon Diggs wants to stay here. I mean, I would leave the door open to the possibility that he would look elsewhere. But uh, if he wants to stay here and keep winning, then you're going to have Thielen and Diggs for a long time. I mean, you have a, a really nice setup for whoever your quarterback is. But that, I mean, that is, it's become because so many offenses are similar with these, the West Coast concepts, the mm -hmm. short throws, all that, that it really becomes which wide receivers can get open, how well can you block, how well can you run. And then there's only certain percentages of big time throws that make a difference between whether you get to the Super Bowl or not. There's two things I think at work here. The one is the short term conversation, which is 13 wins. Second most in in franchise that that this franchise has won in a season, which is great. And Keenum's play, Keenum has fit in. Listen, Keenum has fit in absolutely perfectly. He's done a very nice job. I mean, he's not the perfect quarterback, but he's done a great job. That's conversation one, Collar, and that's the short term one. The other one, which which Zimmer and the players probably don't care about right now, but Spielman has to, is the future. And the conversations, I don't think, should get confused. I mean, mm -hmm. let's, as, yep. as you said before, let's wait through the playoffs. And more importantly, let's also understand that this team is built around defense, and you want to get as good a quarterback as possible. Uh, but to make assumptions that a 29-going-on-30-year-old quarterback, who I believe had started a career-high nine games previous to this season, is absolutely fist-pounding the guy, okay, you don't need to decide that right now. That's not important. Yeah. So so the the fun of the season is is great and you're going to the playoffs and Keenum is your guy, but that doesn't mean that you have to then sit down and say the future is decided because it's absolutely not. I mean, Bridgewater is is going to be free to walk if if he wants or do you bring him back? Keenum same thing, Bradford same thing. And besides knowing that absolutely in my mind Bradford's gone, I don't know what direction they're going to go. Yeah, Keenum had nine career wins in, in 24 starts mm -hmm. before this, uh, which is it's kind of like the Wade Wilson thing uh, and a number of other backup quarterbacks or whatever who have, have done this where they had a, a pretty decent-sized sample to say that they weren't that great, but the supporting cast and the situation was so good that it helped raise their play. And I think when it comes to a franchise quarterback, the reason that the Vikings have not extended a long-term offer is they think that that's not a sustainable model. That it could win you this year, potentially. It right. doesn't very often, but it could. Yep. Um, but in terms of a long-term model, in terms of five years, uh, ask, you know, with a guy who benefits from his situation, the situations will sometimes change. And sometimes you won't have a defense that is number one in part because everyone's been healthy the entire year. But uh, on your quarterback point, it's really interesting to me where it's going to go within the next five years because the top five passers this year, just in terms of yards, mm -hmm. Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. In the next five years, four out of those five quarterbacks will not be playing in the NFL anymore. Mm -hmm. 
and the door becomes open for almost anybody. There are there are still elite quarterbacks. Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback in my mind, but other than that, I mean it, it's going to be it's going to be open unless Andrew Luck comes back and gets a real coach. That I think he's the best quarterback in the league. And yeah, or, comes or, back. Period. Or yeah, from comes his back. Arm period. Problem. That's or, the bigger concern. Or somebody who's coming out in this next draft yep. becomes that guy. But all these other quarterbacks, you would say a lot of the same things that we say about Keenum. That it's system and supporting cast that have helped them either be really, really good or not as good. Kirk Cousins is a great example. Alex Smith is the league leader in quarterback rating this year. Nobody thinks that Alex Smith is just unbelievable quarterback, but. That team is completely stacked. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where the quarterback position goes in the next five years if this era of Brady, Roethlisberger, Breeze uh, goes away. And then where do we stand? Mark, how are you? Good. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Um, I was, you know, we're talking about how much of a quarterback you need to win a Super Bowl, make it through the playoffs. And, I mean, I'm comparing Keenum to Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw was, I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, but that's because of the number of Super Bowls he got. But he had a really good defense and a really good offense. He wasn't that great of a quarterback. I mean, you know, he, you know, he didn't throw the long ball. He just played a lot of mistake-free uh, football. And Keenum's the same way. He's got all these tools around him and uh, great defense. And as long as he can play mistake-free football, um, I think we've got a great shot. And, um, I mean, if I mean, if you look, just take, like, Bradshaw's first, <clears throat> first year numbers of the first time they went to the Super Bowl and take a look at those. You'll, I mean, they're not they're not setting the world on fire with those. Right. So, again, that was my comment, and uh, you guys have a happy New Year. You too, Mark. Uh, Thank I, you very much. Yeah, the the first time that they Brad went... Bradshaw's career got off to a horrible start. I, I know that. Yeah, the first time they went to the Super Bowl, Brad uh, Shaw was injured for a lot of that. But I... I I would agree on the supporting cast point because, like you said, you could bring, uh, you could build these dynasties. Um, maybe free early, agency didn't exist. Maybe yeah, so early you kept in his forever. career, you might be able to say that uh, early in Bradshaw's career, you might be able to say some of that stuff. But I think as his career went on, he became a guy that launched the ball down the field. I'm looking at his well, yeah, the his, Swan and Stallworth and that crew, yard, no yards per completion, things like that. He was at the top of the league. And just to show you how much passing has changed, he led the league in '78 with 28 touchdowns, which would be yep. a pretty low number a, now. And if, if I'm not mistaken, he threw a ton of picks, especially early in his career. Yeah, his first season, he threw 24 picks and yep. six touchdowns. But that kind of reminds you of Jared Goff that that happens a lot. But as it what he's saying is correct about very early in his career when they were really good. Wasn't and Bradshaw's Bradshaw's he went nuts to your later. point though? His arm strength, I think, was far superior. Oh, I mean, yes, Keenum's yes, not yes. going to launch the ball he, downfield, and uh, you know, like like Favre did or Bradshaw. He did. had an all time great arm. Yeah, I mean, he had he had one of the best arms in history, and uh, that it, it's a in terms of a skill set, it's not really comparable because you're talking about Bradshaw was a first overall pick, mm-hmm. and I think he is one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. I wouldn't put him at all in a game manager outside of early in his career when they won. Uh, I, w- I would make the comparisons to Alex Smith and Andy Dalton with Keenum, only the ceiling isn't as high. 
That, that's just the only honest way I could say it is that the ceiling with Dalton was a 106 hater. quarterback rating. You're just a hater. The Colin. ceiling with uh, it's New Alex Year's Day. Smith. Why can't you love on case? I, I know. I just, I'm just but positive I, people like me do this show, you know, to uplift Vikings fans. I know. I know you do. That's all you ever do. You always say Super Bowl. Here we come. Super Bowl odds. And are we <laughs> overlooking a team? Uh, are, are we dismissing a team that we shouldn't be? We'll discuss next. Collar, Jonathan producing, and uh, before we uh, get to the Super Bowl odds that I teased and the team that we might be overlooking, breaking news, uh, Tom Pelissero, who once worked at this station, certainly still fills in, does a fantastic job, NFL Network now, reporting that the Detroit Lions have requested permission to talk to Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer. The Lions, of course, this morning uh, pulling the trigger on firing their head coach, Jim Caldwell, and you might ask, why is that important that they requested it now? It's important because of this. When your team is in the playoffs, there are only certain times that your assistant coaches um, are allowed to talk to teams that are interviewing candidates. One of those times that Vikings assistants, Shermer in this case, will be allowed to talk uh, to the Lions is this coming week. So this is the off week, the bye week, uh, since the Vikings have a bye into the divisional round of the playoffs collars. So uh, Pat Shermer will be able to talk to the Lions this coming week about a job. But this is no surprise. If Pat Shermer does not get a job, I will be amazed. One, he got a he got a sniff in Cleveland. Anybody that holds failure with the Browns against you is a complete moron. And two, if you look at what Keenum has done and what this offense has done, one year removed from basically trying to run Norv system, and and then uh, when Norv quit in I believe late October of 2016, Shermer took the job. But this is the year that Shermer was allowed to install his system. And and when you look at the success that a backup quarterback has had, Pat Shermer deserves a job. I will be disappointed for him if he does not get a job. Uh, it, yeah, and It hurts the Vikings, but he deserves it. I, I've gotten a number of tweets that have asked me, well, what if you just paid him a lot of money. I got like, those tweets, too. You well, pay him like a head coach to be an assistant coach. It, and, and that's a great idea, but if the man wants to be a head coach, he wants to be a head coach. And, and I think to, to understand how much he might want that second chance, uh, Pat Shermer has been lo- a longtime assistant who did get his one shot in Cleveland, as you mentioned. That was disastrous. Thanks, Brandon Whedon, well, for it being disastrous. But but aside, aside, from, the, aside from that, though, it's a guy who has been a long time coming in a really incredible coach tree that you can trace back to Bill Walsh. From Bill Walsh down to Mike Holmgren to Andy Reid to Pat Shermer, who is kind of the next guy in line there. And he got his one shot. It didn't work out. But he's going. if he's going to get another chance, I think he takes it because of that. Because so many other coaches in that coach tree which I believe includes John Gruden as well, and yes. Mike, Mike Holmgren's, yes. is he was the uh, quarterback coach for the Green Bay Packers. You are correct. So you've got all these coaches. Gruden's going to take his his next shot who have come from that coaching tree, and Shermer is part of it. And there's been a ton of success that has happened there. And my guess would be that Shermer wants to add his name to the list of the great disciples of Bill Walsh, who became very good head coaching candidates, similarly to Bill Parcells' coach's tree, which produced Mike Zimmer. And and Shermer, the job that he has done for the Vikings this year, I can't say enough about. I mean, Pat Shermer has been fantastic. When you, when you look at the fact that 
so many people in this league, so many coaches in this league are rooted in, I do what I do, and we're going to do my style. And then you look at at the fact that Shermer has West Coast philosophies. But look at what else he's done here. And I mean, he spent, to his credit, he spent the entire uh, the entire summer, basically, working with Sam Bradford, who he liked a lot and knew very well. And they came up with a plan. And opening night against the Saints, that plan worked to perfection. I mean, Bradford's game against the Saints was fantastic. The offense looked absolutely great in that game. And then Bradford comes to Winter Park with a sore knee. He starts one more game, and that start was a complete debacle. And you plug in Case Keenum, who his the most games he started previously was last year as a placeholder for Jared Goff. He started nine games. You plug in Keenum, and you look at, and then you strip away Dalvin Cook. And slowly but surely, you've you've eroded at times the offensive line. And to the Vikings' credit, they had good backups. But nonetheless, Shermer's ability to take all these pieces and get them to do what they do best instead of saying, oh, no, no, I plan this out. You know, like Bradford and I plan this out and we're going to do it. Shermer's smart enough and a savvy enough coach to say, no, you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit down here and we're going to figure out what Case Keenum does best. Case Keenum owes so much of his success, in my opinion at least, to the fact that he had a he had an offensive coordinator who was flexible enough to use him to the best of of his ability and to and that to me is the starting point if I am trying to find a head coach to saying this is the type of guy I want. And if you go to the Chicago game the first one, that's where I thought we really saw Pat Shermer on display at his most impressive because they have Sam Bradford as their starter. They think, all right, we're just turning the ball back over to Bradford the rest of the season. And then things go awry. And often when that happens, it's over and you lose. That you, You've got to panic, bring in the backup. And also, Chicago was defending their deep passes. They were really concerned about Adam Thielen or Stephon Diggs beating them deep. And so they were playing way over the top, kind of an umbrella sort of defense. And... All of a sudden, Shermer just starts calling all these screen passes, yep. right? And and it was that was the start of Keenum being more of a checkdown dump off quarterback, which is kind of funny because last year we criticized Sam Bradford so much for it, but Keenum does the same thing, and yet they've just had more success because everything else is good. The running game is good, fewer third down and longs and things like that. But here comes Shermer with this. Okay, we're going to adapt to what their defense is doing on the fly with a backup quarterback. And you do enough to win that game. And then we've seen it over and over and over throughout this season. He's done an incredible job. And really, everywhere I've ever been, people have hated the offensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. And you see it on Twitter all the time from fans of other markets or I, media of other markets. I have before, Matthew. Yeah. They, I mean, Bill Musgrave drove me crazy. They generally think the offensive coordinator has no idea what he's doing and we could all call better plays. And sometimes that's true, but this is the first time where I've seen very early on. I wrote the story September 30th with how impressed they were with Pat Shermer, and I think the, the fan base recognized early on, okay, this is a little bit different here. I'm going to give you... Now, in retrospect, I'm going to give you the first time that we knew Shermer was really good. Last year, now granted, there, he couldn't make wholesale changes at, at that time, but after Norv walked out of the building and quit, I think the first time that we realized how good Shermer was now, Cordero Patterson. Yeah. Norv Turner over his dead body 
was not going to play a guy, and 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 the Vikings were guilty of this. They were not going to play a guy that couldn't accurately run his routes. And somebody, Bradford, Shermer, a combination of the two, said, hold on a second. He can't run a route to save his life, yep. but he's a hell of an athlete. Let's use him somehow. And and now in retrospect, it seems to me that Shermer definitely deserves credit because I think there's a definite line there because Cordero was not being used. To somebody said, and it was probably Pat and Sam, I, I would guess, we got to use him somehow. Yep. Let's come up with plays for him. Let's just do something. He's too athletically gifted not to use him. And Oakland, and they got him paid by Oakland. Yeah, and Oakland didn't use him that way. Uh, I, the, the games that I saw Oakland, they had him running routes. You're crazy. You're crazy if you've got him running routes. If you have him going down the field and trying to compete for 50-50 balls, like you're going to lose that way. And that's the difference between a really good offensive coordinator and not. And I'll, I'll give you another example that's a little more down in the weeds is Adam Thielen in the slot. I don't think any of us would have projected Adam Thielen as a slot receiver, but I went and asked Thielen and Diggs about this, and one of the things that they brought up is both of them have this remarkable ability to read defenses, Thielen and Diggs. They Mm -hmm. are so good at it. And when you're in the slot, they told me that it requires a smarter player. You can't just stick anybody in the slot. That's why you see veteran guys go in the slot a lot. I think that's why right. Jerry Rice worked out so well it's in the t- slot. Yeah, it's, because it's nuanced. You, you have to read defenses and know where to go because a lot of the the routes have options on them. Mm-hmm. When you take off, you don't know whether you're turning at four yards, eight yards, twelve yards. Right, but but in fact, I think you you, ta- you talked about this a few weeks back, didn't you? Tell me too that the difference between Norv and Shermer is is the receivers themselves basically have options yes. of their routes as opposed to yep. you run this route, and if you don't run this route correctly, you're probably going to get benched. Yeah, I think that they, I mean, receivers in any offense are required to read defenses, but I think what Shermer has done is when he's calling plays, uh, he's asking them what they see. When they go into the meetings, he recognizes, if you talk to Stephon Diggs for five minutes, you go, oh, okay. This guy knows the game super well. He's a student of the game. Yep. So if you're an offensive coordinator, why would you say you have to do it the way I say because I've been around? Because that's no. You say these guys are. Yeah. You're out there on the field. What do you see? Did you think this worked? How about this route? How did you get the feel for this cornerback? And that's one of the major reasons that everyone says across the board. That's the first thing out of their mouth for why Shermer has been so good. And that would be the concern going forward. Is not everyone is always going to be that way, mm-hmm. and if you lose Pat Shermer to someone else, how does that impact your def- your offense going forward? So once again, the breaking news is that the Lions have requested permission uh, after uh, blowing out Jim Caldwell today to talk to Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer, and uh, they have the ability, if Shermer agrees to it, to talk to him this coming week before the Vikings next week begin preparations for their divisional round playoff game. Uh, let's come back once again, Super Bowl odds, and also a list of those who have lost their jobs uh, today. Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar in for Phil. All right, Mackie and Judd, Phil back uh, tomorrow. Matthew Collar in for Phil today. Jonathan Harrison uh, producing. So uh, the breaking news that just came over from Tom Palacero of uh, the National Football League Network is that the Lions have requested permission to talk to Pat Shermer about their head coaching job. My guess is they're not the uh, last team that's going to put in that request. Uh, fired today so far. So Ben McAdoo of the Giants was fired in early December. Joining him on the unemployment list, uh, Jack Del Rio, I think actually fired yesterday by Oakland. 
Uh, the expectation there, I guess, ESPN reporting that John Gruden's actually going to get back into coaching. Indianapolis fired Chuck Pagano, I believe that was last night as well. And this morning, two NFC North coaches have been fired, Jim Caldwell in Detroit and John Fox with Chicago. That leaves uh, the Bengals' job. Marvin Lewis, by the way, Matthew, still filling that job. And I saw a tweet. Paul Brown, who owns that team, is afraid to fire Marvin Lewis and bring in a new coach because he is he has trepidation about changes that a new coach would want to make within the franchise. How about that? Okay. Paul, well, what what exactly have you it's done? Paul Brown's kid, not yeah, Paul Brown. What, what have but you, Paul Brown's kid? Sorry. What have you done to be so Wouldn't afraid? You, isn't that what you want? Like Mar- Marvin's been there for fifteen years, right? We've got a new one. All right. Um, Bruce Arians is expected to retire, according to Adam Schefter. Now, just a week ago, Bruce Arians was screaming at a reporter that fake news. Yeah. I mean, this tells you anything you ever hear from a coach. Like, there's a really high percentage that it's a lie. Probably even higher than a politician percentage that it's not true. I mean, when and when, we all now and and they all now say fake news, right? Yeah, yeah. It's really yes, convenient right, to right. be like, well, if the president says it, I can say and, it. And when he, but when he said that, you knew that it was real news because mm-hmm. that's kind of what the president does. Uh, but I mean, really, right? When you when he got <laughs> well, that defensive, don't, don't start on this show. When, with that, no, no. Pause. But when he got that defensive, yep. you knew like, oh, he is going to retire then. Yes, the, you know that like makes the, perfect sense. Yes. He's had health problems for two years, so that's another one. Now, how about Pat Shermer? There is a possibility too, and I think that team needs some tweaks, but they could be set up to be relevant again pretty quickly. I mean, there's the more of these that happen, the more openings there are. Yes, the higher percentage that Shermer does end up somewhere else. If you're Shermer, what job intrigues you the most? Matthew Stafford definitely intrigues me. I, I have thought in the back of my mind that if I'm the Bears, if I'm the Bears, I'm down right now, but I've got a quarterback who I think I like. I drafted very high, right? I've got a quarterback who, if the right guy comes in and works with him, might give him a fighting chance to be successful. If I'm the Bears, Shermer really intrigues me because he could work with Trubisky, and I think he'd be very good. Uh, defensively, that team's not a dumpster fire. Offensively, they definitely need help. And the uh, the other thing is... I can steal the Viking secrets. So if I'm Chicago and I'm at the bottom of the division right now, I am. I am, my curiosity is at least piqued by the fact that I've got a guy who I think you could perceive as a quarterback whisperer and a guy who would come with a lot of information about what the Vikings have done to be successful. I like a lot of things that Mitch Trubisky does, and uh, the fact that we saw Jared Goff go from a dumpster fire to a very good quarterback leading the top-scoring offense shows you that, hey, turns out a lot of top picks are good at football. And so if you got the top quarterback in the draft to start with, with a year of experience, that team has no wide receivers. We saw this yesterday, and I give Trey Waynes a lot of credit for uh, his growth this year. Yes. At the same time, none of their receivers could create the slightest bit of separation from Trey Waynes, and they have just awful, awful receivers. They have two good running backs, a good offensive line. Not yesterday they were beat up, but they have a good offensive line when they're healthy. Mm-hmm. They have a top 10 defense in rushing and passing. Mm-hmm. To carry over, many of those players are still going to be good next year. That's a situation where you could be kind of a darling team. The thing I would be concerned about if I was Pat Shermer is Mike Zimmer. The Vikings are still going to be good. Aaron Rodgers, he'll get the Packers back to be good. Detroit's going to get a new coach. 
I mean, it might be you might be a good team in so, Chicago and still go seven does, to nine or eight. And eight Detroit next year. intrigue you more then to go to to walk into a potential st- uh, um, Stafford situation? Yeah, yeah. I I guess I with Matthew Stafford, the one issue that you have is the money that it costs to keep him. That he's a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback, and you really think, man, when we can't spend money in these other areas because we're spending so much on the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, uh, you know, then I think uh, it makes it a harder uphill climb. And Stafford isn't like Aaron Rodgers where he's so good that he can make up for some of these shortcomings. I've been trying to talk and read at the same time because Ian Rappaport uh, just tweeted uh, Pat Shermer getting an interview with the Lions. We know that. Also, Mike Pettin spent the year consulting for the Seahawks. He will be a top defensive coordinator candidate. So more people coming out and saying that Pat Shermer is going to be connected to the Lions. It's a good situation where you could make the playoffs next year with the Lions. Yep. I just wonder, is offense really their issue? I mean, I think that they've really struggled on the defensive side and they can't spend a lot of money to stack up. Yeah, and I guess if, if you went and got Shermer, you, you would need a situation where he knows a defensive guy who he could fall back on. I mean, that's where... That's where McVeigh to me is a genius because he was hired at what thirty at the time. He's th- thirty one now, if I'm not mistaken, and he's a kid, and he got that job. And instead of saying, "Well, I'm young and I'm intimidated by v- veteran coaches," went out and got Wade. And Phillips is fantastic. And so I think if you ha- have the confidence, which I'm sure the Shimmer does, if you have the confidence to go out and tap a guy on the other side of the ball who you trust completely and know is good, that's fine then. I just I think the interesting thing to me, if you're Shermer, is to go to a situation where you have the ability uh, to call plays, to ha- have a quarterback in place, for, at least from a starting point that you trust. And Stafford would be that guy. But the Chicago thing is is an interesting one because if you got a defensive coordinator that you trust with that talent on defense that they have, I think you could you could get the Bears on track pretty quickly. I'm not saying they'd be great in 2018, but I think you could turn them around fairly quickly. And the thing about the Lions, why they should be looking at defensive-minded coaches, they were seventh in points this year, scored. Like the offense was not an issue for them. They were 13th in yards, 7th in points, and defensively 27th in yards and 21st in points. They couldn't stop anybody the last three years, 18th, 18th, 27th in yards on defense. So even when they've had good offense, it couldn't overcome that. Uh, and, you know, uh, Jim Bob Cooter, their offensive coordinator, has kind of... One of the great yeah, names yeah, of sports. I, I had to work it in there somehow. Yep, Jim Bob. And, uh, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I think, has had good seasons the last few years. Um, this year, 29 touchdowns, 10 picks, a 99 rating. I mean, this is one of the best seasons of his career overall, the highest yards per attempt. I guess I would be wondering why would they want to look for an offensive coordinator when their offense has been very good? It seems like they'd want to look on the defensive side. And mm-hmm. and, and with um, Chicago, that's where their strength is. Their strength is on defense. And you saw even missing their two top edge rushers yesterday, they did a lot of very good things against the Vikings. They couldn't stop the run, but uh, they made life pretty difficult at times on Case Keenum. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 if you would like to join the conversation. The show is Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar and for Phil.
Mackie and Judd uh, today, Zolgad Collar, Jonathan Harrison uh, producing Mackie uh, back tomorrow. want to talk about uh, former Viking kicker here shortly, Matthew Collar, who had a very tough year, and I'm not surprised by it. Uh, but first, let's go through those long-promised Super Bowl odds. How about that? Okay. All right, so ESPN.com had these today. Uh, Super Bowl odds, 2-1 to one odds, the New England Patriots to win the Super Bowl. Second on the list, the Minnesota Vikings at four to one. Wow. The Steelers are at nine to two. The Saints are at five to one. The Rams are at twelve to one. And um fifteen to one odds, the Philadelphia Eagles. So Fal- are the Falcons not even on the list? The Falcons are twenty to one. The Chiefs are twenty to one. The Jaguars are twenty Chiefs. to one, the same as the Falcons. Mm. The Panthers are thirty to one, and then the Titans and your Bills are one hundred to one. Okay, well, I win. wouldn't go there, but if I was making the bet, I might put a little down on Atlanta and a little down on Kansas City because of the odds. Not that I think they're gonna win, but because they're twenty one twenty to one yeah. odds. I mean, I Kansas you. City went through that dip in the middle of the year. But by all measures, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And Atlanta, I think, is kind of sneaky scary that if they get hot, they still have the potential to run the table, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're a great team, but I think that, that the talent on that team is still most of the same from last year. I understand that they have problems now, including uh, Carson Wentz being out. But here's my question for you. Are we all dismissing Philadelphia too much? There seems to be this, this, it's as if the Vikings are the top seed and nobody's talking about Philly, and I understand their problems, okay? So I'm not saying that that this is the same team uh, that looked so good a month and a half ago, but are we dismissing them a little bit too much at 15-1 to and sort of now being like, ah, you know, if if I play them, that's fine. If they had a better defense, I, I saw a lot of holes in the defense at the end of the year. And even though they kept Oakland to 10 points, there were times where their corners were getting burned. And I think they've got a weakness there. So they don't have the strongest secondary. Uh, Their defensive line is really, really good, but it isn't like this monster defense. This isn't a Jeff Hostetler situation where he comes in for Phil Sims and has an all-time great Bill Parcells defense. Their running game is good enough to make it interesting and playing at home could help. But Nick Foles is just not a very good quarterback, and you could pretty much pencil him in for a really bad interception or two that end up losing them a playoff game. I have a really, really hard time. But should we not be dismissing them as much as we are? No, I think we're. I feel like there's a complete dismissal of them. I think we are right to dismiss them. I think we're right to dismiss them because I think Nick Foles is bad. It's it's possible these things have happened before. They have a good overall team. That's why they won as many games as they did. But you take an MVP candidate quarterback away and put in a guy who's been benched by a couple of teams mm, without a without an unbelievable defense, without a number one type defense like the Vikings have, I don't think they have a whole lot of a chance, especially if they have to play New Orleans mm-hmm. there. Right? There's that possibility that the Vikings could play the Rams and New Orleans could end up going there. And they could knock them off there. Yes. It would be really, really stunning if Nick Foles beat Drew Brees in a playoff game. Are there any so so scenario wise? Where would having uh, to go to Philadelphia to play fall for you? Because I don't I don't want to go to Philadelphia personally. If I'm if I'm the Vikings, I don't want to leave, leave my home stadium because of the comforts there, and also the fact it's a controlled environment, and the crowd is loud, and I don't want to leave it up to the fate of playing in in not freezing cold but pretty damn cold on a natural grass field that's going to be a mess. 
Um, like, there's a lot of variables I don't like about Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, and because you could sort of envision, like, a Carolina Panthers type thing. Yes. Where the, the field is a little messy, or or a Soldier Field type thing. When you go there, the field isn't good. It's like, sort of I even like Case, the playing field. I also like Case indoors more. Yep. Like, yep. I don't like anything about Case going outside and maybe forcing a pass and something goes haywire. Yep, I I agree with all of that. Even, even in Washington, he had that great game, but he also highlighted it with two really bad interceptions yep. toward the end, which drove Mike Zimmer crazy. It's just the, the Nick Foles factor. I don't think that any mediocre quarterback can beat this defense. It's hard to even see great quarterbacks beating this defense, much less a guy like Nick Foles. So I, I think you'd feel confident no matter where you were playing him. How many points, realistically, do you also think this team has to score? Because the one, my one thing is, this offense has has certainly been very functional. I mean, it's been good at times, and and so when you get to the playoffs, what you need is is you need time of possession to still be pretty good. You need some points. You don't need a ton. Uh, but the reason why the last two games, at least, have concerned me is I've seen enough of a downturn where I'd say to myself, if you get against a pretty good team in a playoff atmosphere, this could be a problem. The The offense can't obviously check out. I want them to score 21. And I think, what what did Zim put, put that at? Zimmer said last year if they score 22, is, is that correct? Yeah, there was a stat. If you score 22, that you can win? So I can't, the one, as good as this defense is, and as much as I'm willing to sit here and, and acknowledge that this team is built around that, you still need the functionality of the offense that you saw for several months to continue, I think, when the playoffs hit. Yeah, I think that uh, you probably don't need much more than 20. Um, I, the, the Falcons game just stands out so much to me that you won with 14, but the Falcons also had chances to win that game, and they screwed it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you wonder if under different circumstances, maybe the Falcons decide to keep going down the field and go for it on fourth down instead of kicking an absurdly dumb field goal at the end of that game that allowed the Vikings to just end it. I think you're going to need to do a little better on offense than 14. Um, maybe like the Rams game where you get 24, but it, it all depends on when they come. I mean, I think this team can play a tight game with almost anybody and seems to be able to finish which is something that they could not do last year where they had so many tight games. Thanksgiving Day at Washington, at Dallas, at home here with the the game that Zimmer didn't coach. I mean, they could have easily been very similar to this team last year with the great defense if they had finished some of those tight games. But this year they've done it, and last year they didn't. Brian, what's up? Hey, Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Um, My question is in regards to field conditions you were just talking about. Yep how poor they are often in Chicago and Philadelphia and um, several facilities. And I am just wondering, it would be to both the players union and to the owner's best interest to mandate some type of absolute top of the line field play for, um, for their players. I mean, you have players getting hurt, you know, just naturally from collision, but you also have a lot of them getting hurt because of poor field conditions. And I understand bad weather, but, take that away and you still have a lot of fields in terrible playing shape for you know professional billion dollar sport yep um yeah and the worst uh, are washington's a complete joke pittsburgh i've never gotten that that one because uh the pit panthers play on that field too and it is a mess often and chicago if i'm not mistaken soldier fields run by the park board and that's a complete joke and i have no idea hmm. why the league doesn't go to them 
and and at least try and mandate some type of top line field turf, which I understand is not great for players, but I think I would prefer to play on top line field turf as opposed to slipping and sliding on really really poor grass conditions. I mean, if you're it's not like the old days with turf, as long as you don't get the Eagles, you won't have to worry about it. Um, clearly, you'd rather be at home. I think it's just how much you value. Uh, okay, are you going to play uh, Drew Brees at home, or are you going to play Nick Foles on the road? Yeah, I, I choose to play Nick Foles on the road rather than playing Drew Brees at home because I think if the noise gets big, that Drew Brees will be okay. I mean, this is this guy's been through a few National Football League games before, right? I mean, he, he could deal with yeah, it better the, than anybody. Yeah, he's the so one quarter. He's the one quarterback I think who actually would probably scare you. Right. He's the he is the one that him. he's the one that scares you. Probably the only one that really, really scares you in the entire playoffs at, at this moment, considering all the other circumstances as well. In I mean, the playoffs or in the conference? Well, in the conference. Yes, I mean, yeah, say, okay. Yeah, on the other, on side, the other side, Brady and Roethlisberger clearly would yeah. scare you. But, I mean, for all the teams that they could play in route to the Super Bowl, uh, Breeze is the one where you go, I don't, I don't want to face that guy with his offense playing as well as it is, with his defense playing as well as it is. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan's team's got some weakness. Cam Newton's team has some weaknesses. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to play those teams. And really, the team that I might have been very concerned about. I'd take got... Cam here, though. I still would take Cam here. I think oh, Cam I think gets... he's a great quarterback. But I think yeah. he gets flustered here. Um, I think the crowd throws him off. I, I there, yeah. There's enough things here. Oh, I thought you meant you'd take him as your quarterback. Oh, right? no, no, no. I'm saying I would take playing Cam here. Oh, yes, yes. I'd I be think happy that, with That's that. what you're rooting for. But the most likely scenario is mm-hmm. the Rams end up here. Which I think is a great matchup. I think that's a. Watch. I think it's a heavyweight fight between two really good coaches. Yep. But if you're rooting for something, I want Cam here because his supporting cast is really bad. The wide receivers are tremendously bad, and they traded away their top receiver, which was surprising. Yeah, Calvin the Bills, Benjamin. right? Yeah. Didn't Calvin go to the yep, Bills? He did. All right, let's uh, let's uh, take a break. Come back. Half hour left to go before bowl coverage takes over on fifteen hundred ESPN.